Hey everyone, this is Kurt Mercadante. And whether you're a first time listener or a long time listener, I want to thank you for choosing to spend your time with me and our guests here on Freedom Mindset Radio. You know, now more than ever in this turbulent time, it's important to share and spread our message of freedom and fulfillment around the globe. So if you get value from this podcast, I have a favor to ask. If you could go wherever you listen to this podcast and leave us a positive rating and review, that helps us carry our message further around the globe. And if you wouldn't mind, Post a link to this podcast on your Facebook page. Share it on Twitter, on Instagram, on LinkedIn, wherever you're at on social media. I want to thank you for helping us take our message to those people around the globe who truly need it. And I want to thank you for being a loyal listener. Thank you. I think adversity, and this is the highest level of adversity that pretty much I've dealt with since 911, certainly. But, you know, with great adversity comes great opportunity. And with great adversity also becomes great responsibility. What does the word freedom mean to you? Only you can define it in your life and only you can decide to build the life of freedom and fulfillment you deserve. This is Freedom Mindset Radio. I'm your host, Kurt Mercadante, and we're grateful you're here. And we are live. This is the Freedom Media Network. My name is Kurt Mercadante. And when we come back in a moment, we have the giant in the sports memorabilia, marketing, and collectibles business. He's going to tell you why you got to have balls. Brandon Steiner, when we come back in a moment. Brandon Steiner, uh, giant in the sports marketing business. You turned an idea, $4,000, a small office, into a $40 million sports collectible and memorabilia empire. Today, you're founder and president of the Steiner Agency, Steiner Agency Nation's premier independent athlete procurement source and collectible exchange, which I remember last year when you came in for uh, the Freedom Club Festival, you were about to launch it. It's an online platform for fans, collectors, store owners, celebrities, athletes, and teams to buy and sell collectibles. Of course, Brandon is the author of a number of books. The newest is Living on Purpose. Another one I got right here. You gotta have balls. Brandon's gonna have an announcement about those books. Brandon, Sorry thanks so much. You. Oh, we're back. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today, Brandon. Sorry about that. Again, for those just joining us, thank you. But when you join us here, we're having some technical difficulties, but as you join us, jump in, leave oh, your name, town, your city, your state, your country, your continent, where in the world you're joining us from. Again, we're here with Brandon Steiner, giant in the sports marketing, memorabilia, and collectibles business. Are you back, Brandon? Can you hear us now? I am back, yes. Hopefully you awesome. can hear me. Sorry about awesome. that. Awesome. No, it's it's always fun. It, we're all doing this from everyone's home offices, and uh, I think everyone's online doing Zoom calls right now, so sometimes the internet you know, gets a little, gets here, a little crazy. Just learning. <laughs> Just learning. Am I better off horizontal so, or am I better off? Yeah. This either way is good. Yeah, either way is good. Cool. Cool. So, yeah, well, first of all, I loved your conference. It was great meeting you last year, and Boy, that was an interesting time in my life, too, because I was just getting ready to launch the new companies. And I was in a really interesting mindset because you don't have always the blessing of starting something new, Kurt, you know, at 60. And uh, I've had a great run in, in the other companies that I've started over the last 30 years. And uh, I'm very grateful for the for the support from so many companies, fans. I mean, I got well over a few thousand emails thanking me. I mean, I don't remember writing a letter to a CEO thanking him when when he left the company or she left the company. But so I'm very grateful to know that what, you know, the work I did meant something, but this, these next, uh, and I think purpose, like, you know, what are you doing? Why are you doing it? 
is always the question you want to ask yourself, especially when you're in you know, a situation like we're in now. You know, what are yeah. you doing? Why are you doing it? Who are you doing it for? I mean, you don't have to make it complicated, really. I mean, that's that's a good couple of weeks worth of work. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know, that that idea of purpose carrying you through the tough times. I mean, when you started out, you were not on easy street. And you know, the situation you went through last year was not easy. And I remember uh, kind of in between that and before you launched, we we hopped on a phone call probably late summer, early fall, just to talk about logistics of you coming in. And you were talking about what had happened in the and the transition and the old company and everything. And 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 I can't remember exactly what you said, but you said something like, you know, sometimes you gotta you gotta blow things up to start over new. It was something like that. And it was just amazing to me that in a situation where Many people might have crumbled, might have fallen by the wayside, might have said, what was me? You kept moving forward. You saw, you found gratitude in it. And I assume that sense of purpose kept you moving forward because you went right right from that bad situation right into two new companies and you're crushing it. I mean, I took, I took a few months off. I mean, I was entitled to it. Um, I, yeah. I, and then I'm feeling good about myself now because, you know, if I was running those companies and own those companies with the overhead and the amount of inventory, I'd be the little hair I have left would be gone. You know what I mean? I'd be, yeah, I'd be more of like a mirror image of you because, <laughs> you, know, you know, I mean, you know, there's so much stress, you know, because it's not only the business that you're losing, but it's the people that you, you know, that you're responsible for. I think, I don't know if people realize the pressure when you're managing and you're running something besides figuring out the go forward move. And besides making sure that what's happened in the past is kind of resolved and tight but you got people, you know, people are, you know, especially when we're not sure what's happening, when it's happening, how fast it's happening, when it's going to be over, you know, the responsibility you take, you know, that, you know, you have, you have all these people that, you know, that families, they got food on their plates. And I think a lot of times the employees, because you're so consumed with yourself, which is generally the principle, you know, most of us worry about ourselves most of the time. Yeah. And you're squeezing some family and friends in there. But, you know, as an employee, you're generally worried about, you know, what can this company do for me? Like, why is this company? Company, you know what? But at the end, you know, to me, the real valuable employees are, you know, the ones that call me up and say, "Brandon, listen, what can I do to help? You know, what else can I? What else can I do? You must be, it must be crazy for you." And it is yeah. the responsibilities to keep the thing rolling forward, to sell it going forward, keeping everybody faithful. This is what entrepreneurism and real leadership is about. Because, you know, with entrepreneurism and leadership, there's only two things you're selling. You're selling now or you're selling the future. Like we're gonna work really hard now and at the end of the month, you're gonna make a boatload of money or this company's gonna be this and that. Or if we work really hard these next few months, come the fall, we're gonna really benefit or come next year, we'll benefit. This is a little bit of an odd curveball. I, I really call it a cutter. It's the Mariana cutter. We don't know where it's going. And it's yeah. not easy to catch, it's not easy to hit. And it's tough on leadership because you can't sell now and you can't sell later. I think the politicians are struggling on it because yeah. they can't promise later, and they can't even tell you that what we're doing now is really even helping because there's still a lot of hot spots and there's still a lot of confusion. And this is where leadership has to be at its best. But the good leaders and the good companies figure it out, and the good leaders are relentless, and it's not these broadcast emails that are eight pages long and these group Zoom calls with 100 employees. As a leader, you've got to call employee by employee as many as you can to really sell in the story and commit 
to them and commit to your to the faith that this is going to work out. You've got a plan. You're reworking it and to stay cool. You know, be like a bottle of mayonnaise. You know, what it says on every bottle of mayonnaise. What's that? Stay, keep cool. Don't freeze. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. it's like, that, that's my mantra. It's like, keep cool. Don't freeze. Like, and, and a lot of people are freaking, you know, and I, I tell people all the time, like, I am not home because I'm scared. I'm not panicked. I'm just smart. I'm smart. Right. Like, smart people. I don't want to mess with a really stupid dumb disease so i want to stay away from dumb and stupid and that disease is dumb and stupid and i'm smart so i'm going to stay home and i'm going to protect me and my friends and anybody else i can protect and let the smart people out there deal with this dumb disease as long as it takes but it's complicated you know it's a complicated time in business but i always say and i'll I'll, i know i'm a little rant but no that's fine i think I think adversity, and this is the highest level of adversity that pretty much I've dealt with since 911, certainly, but, you know, with great adversity comes great opportunity. And with great adversity also comes great responsibility. So if you're sitting home on your ass and you're watching the news all day, that's not taking responsibility. And by the way, responsibility could be obviously first and foremost to your family, to your faith, but also for the common good. If you're feeling down right now, find something you could do to help the common good. If it's sending out a few meals, baking some cookies for the local fire department, uh, if it's just even sending $25 to a food bank, you'd be surprised how you feel. Like you got, you cannot go to your grave right now, you know, down the road. You can't go to your grave whenever it is now, 20 years, 50 years from now, and saying in this crazy time in our country, you did nothing. Like don't, don't do that regardless of your position. And, and the most concern right now, obviously, has got to be people that don't have the necessities. So right. because you don't have a job or your business is, is certainly crumbling a little bit, is very difficult. But think about the person who doesn't have food. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think uh, a couple things, you know, the heroes, there's a lot of talk about heroes right now, and, and rightfully so. Frontline workers, certainly the doctors and nurses, the healthcare workers. But you talked about something too. I mean, in the it's not only the uh, I can't stand the di- the division of essential versus non-essential workers because I think we're all essential. I think not just yeah. we, every worker is essential. And you know, I keep hearing stories about these employers who have built companies who you talk about the people and they had to, there's a major hotel here. And I talked to our neighbor who's friends with the general manager who was in tears, had to lay off all these workers, many of whom who don't have it. I think they're heroes too, because they're staying home and putting up without a paycheck. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a situation well, there, there where, you know, saving lives and putting their lives in danger. Certainly right. that's a level that is pretty, pretty cool. And yeah. certainly all of us now that can do hero like and, and leadership like things, yeah. but it's a time now also to not sell, not figure out how you can sell through, but how you can solve through, like, what's the solution? Not how do I go do this and make a lot of money doing this and do it. No, what's the solution? So you have a hotel. What's the solution? Like, where is that going? Yeah. You know, if you're a convention hotel, like, how do you turn your hotel into a recreational hotel? Because people probably aren't going to be getting on planes anytime soon. Probably not going to the islands and this and that. But they'll probably drive two or three hours. Or they'll go someplace locally, stay at maybe a hotel at some point soon. Can you go create the recreational stuff inside your hotel to make it fun for a family and maybe get away for a week or a weekend? 
How do you go package up the stuff that you're offering in your community, collaborate? So it's like, hey, come to Community X and you'll have a great weekend for your family. Because we're not going to Europe right now, not for a while. You know, we're not going to the islands for a while. So how do you make the local travel? Because we're all going to have to go on some vacations, for example. You know, if you have a restaurant, like you're not going to have waiting lines to get in your restaurants to be jam-packed. You're going to have volume decrease. So how do you do it? And you have to pivot. And a lot of restaurateurs who have been struggling for years and you've had the time to go mm-hmm. get digitally marketing savvy. I've met a yeah. few people at your conference that were digitally, you know, trying to grow and go. But, if, you know, something, this is the time when you need to go online, you need to get educated about how to digitally market because you're now in the takeout delivery business. And it's a huge business. And we're going to be doing takeout and delivery for a while because we're not going to be running to restaurants to eat out. But you can't charge me $30 for an entree in a little right. tin cup. In a tin can. Yeah. You gotta now redo your menus, make them more fun for a family of four, family of two, right? You've got to kind of, you know, have a big family night, all the pasta you could eat, order pasta, we'll deliver it at five. If you want more, we'll deliver you again at six. You know, how does it all come like a three course meal? You know, how do you do all those things? And and at the same time, how do you digitally market? which is what Facebook and all these social medias, it gives you is your ability to hyper-focus your target audience. And how great would that be for a restaurant that basically, listen, I'm not going to call a restaurant 10, 20 miles away, but two to three miles away, no problem. Four miles, maybe five, probably. But so how do you go focus on that five-mile radius and go kill it on your takeout? There are restaurants in New York that are killing it. That, are, that their sales are up. And then there are restaurants that are strut. Restaurants you call up and the person taking the order has no experience in taking orders. And you go to the person's website, it's not clear. You know, they haven't adjusted the menu. Imagine yeah. have a Facebook Live of the chef making the special. Imagine if I could ship you all the ingredients for a family for six, and you make that dinner tonight with that chef in the restaurant and shows you how to make this special dish. You know, product involvement, customer involvement, you know, involvement breeds commitment. How do you get your customers involved with the process now using these computers and using these these social media aspects? So there's a lot of hope for restaurants. So so for all the restaurateurs out there, stop crying and complaining. You have a right to, but it's not going to help you. Yeah. Get up off your butt and start figuring it out because people got to eat. And change your staffing around and get somebody who can answer the phone and go get online and figure out how easy it is to order and go get some new dishes to put this takeout in and get creative and have some fun. Because taking out the way the old school is and these little dishes and everything is not fun, which is why there's lines to get in every one of these drive through windows of McDonald's, Wendy's and everything else. But, you know, 20 years ago, they didn't have drive throughs Yeah. Now the drive throughs are big. So it's like, maybe you need a drive through window in your restaurant. Maybe that's the answer, right? Maybe you have a kind of restaurant. You can do a drive through You pick up Zoom. It's just basically take, take one of the walls of your restaurant, cutting out a window, putting a microphone in there. It's going to cost you a little money, but that's where it's going. Yeah, so right. It's, it's, it's worth the money. <laughs> I'm sorry to get myself crazy, but I know where I'm going to be in eight or nine months. Where are you, you going to be in eight or nine months? Right. Yeah. Well, I'm going to be successful. We took, you know, I did, I had that first uh, offline event that you came to and you spoke at, and I had a bunch of uh, in-person events planned for this year. And when this first started happening, cancel them all. I'm doing everything virtual. Basically what we're helping people do now is brand online. Sit kind of the tagline is sit on your ass at home 
and brand yourself, share your story, share your message, because there's still people, you know, that first, it, it, the squirrels outside and the rabbits have the same initial fear, right? Some, you get spooked, that's natural, but they don't have the ability like humans do to take the next step, which is I'm spooked and then come up with something new. That's and you being a human being. Uh, well, and, and when you say, when you talk about kind of re, um, uh, you know, pivoting, coming up, innovating, uh, whether you're a restaurant or whatever, the, the immediate story, and you talk about uh, solve versus sell, the immediate uh, thought I came up with, I, I mean, the famous, uh, what, you sold the dirt, right? You sold dirt and yeah. you figured out how to way to make money from selling dirt and, and made news from it. Um, what are some, some other than the dirt? Well, tell us about that, but also other ways. Uh, Cause you talked about it at the factory or at the factory at the festival and you got to have balls about ways you kept pivoting, reinventing to not to sell, but to create products that people wanted to buy from you. Before I do that, it's going to, I'm just, I'm just sitting here thinking like, First of all, I asked you where you're going to be in eight or nine months. Where you're going to be is you're going to be in the maternity wards, which is going to be a ton of people having babies. Oh, yeah, be, right, there'll right, be right, more yeah. babies born from these two months where we've been home than since World War II. So maybe you want to yeah. get in the baby gift business because there's going to be a ton of baby gifts right at Christmas time. The other thing is you got all these masks now and you got gloves and got things. At some point, you're going to need to go create something that a lot of people have jumped on the masks and you see them being sold online. But what are you putting the mask in? You must you must have a mask holder for the used <laughs> ones and the new ones, right? You know, you, you got to just stop playing everything through. And that's where the dirt really comes in. It's not about your first idea because your first idea is not your best idea ever. Hmm. But you know, a lot of times you come up with a good idea and because you did, it takes you in the wrong direction because now you think you're about to come up with another one instead of taking that good idea and making it better. I always use Mariana Rivera's cutter. Great pitch. Mariana, throw a curveball. Throw a change up already. He goes, why? I already have a great pitch. I'm going to keep working on this great pitch and make it even better. It's even be more unhittable. Take the best thing that you do and start really thinking it through and start playing it completely out, which is kind of what I do with the dirt, the grass on the field, and all those types of things, you know, as far as when I'm creating sports collectibles. But now I'm thinking, man, I feel like a kid in a candy store now because there's just so many different ideas and so many ways to pivot. And right now, for what you're doing, Kurt, I mean, there's never been a time where people have to really learn digital branding and digital marketing more now than ever. There's never been a time where people have to focus on their health because they now know live and right in person that it's a difference between life and death. If you're not thinking about your diet, you're not thinking about your health right now, you're just completely on another universe. So if yeah. you're teaching that and you have actually value there, even though your gyms are closed, things are a little slow, but you know something? It's going to be huge huge as far as people wanting to learn about how to get healthy and we got to remember that people want to get fit and if you can add value to that that's another business that's going to boom so there's a lot of opportunity here uh as you pivot and you think about what people are really going to need not going out as much not going to events well what else are they going to do and these virtual events i'm starting to think about a couple virtual events which i can't talk about now but i'm i'm very excited because i'm thinking right now you're home Board. I mean, I'm so happy to talk to you, Kurt. I, I hope you don't cut me off, man. Time, <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. Other than my dog right now, who if I don't give her treats, she probably not talk to me either. But I mean, nobody's talking to me. I, I, I mean, 
I take a walk around the neighborhood hoping maybe somebody's out there even just waves to me like I am bored. But I'm also <laughs> doing the hard work, which is thinking. And I just I just know that right now, like, what can you do for all these kids that are home, parents that are home that want to keep their kids busy? Uh, besides the educational aspect, which is important, but what other things can you do to fill up a child's day? Because as a parent, that's, that's what you got to do. So I'm trying to think of some ideas that will be practical for kids. But right now, this adversity, if you get past the scared, and anytime anything new comes up or anything that's not in your control, it's always going to be scary. Right. But the reality is, you know that after the scare and after something that's been really tough, you know some of the best things that have happened to you start with that. Yeah. First time you went to school, how scared were you that first day of school, the first date you went on? And then good things happen after that. So this is going to pass. I mean, it's definitely, you know, it's concerning, you know, when it's going to pass. But I can't wait. I mean, I just think the opportunities, while everybody's scared and kind of shivering, I'm going to stay with my smart skill. Yeah. And keep analyzing and looking and grinding. Like it may be the damn case that holds the masks that you put in your mud room or right when you walk in. That could be my fortune. I, I keep seeing these online ads for like the designer masks now. And it's like, you know, you people are designer masks. Yeah. People are uh your mask. Yeah. It's see, it's different here. Well, people have masks here, but it, you know, it's 90 degrees here and we're starting to open up. So uh, we've been to the parks and you know, no one's within a hundred feet of each other. But um, you know, like you said, restaurants, uh, you know, gyms, even if gyms open tomorrow, I, I would say gyms even maybe more than restaurants, people sweating, you know, gyms are dirty places anyways. Uh, you know, what are you going to do to reinvent that? But on the and, flip side, maybe yeah. some outdoor gyms. And then on the flip side, buying gym equipment for your home, something mm -hmm. that's kind of an all-in-one that isn't too expensive, could be a, there could be a huge run. I know they're selling a ton of Soul Cycle stuff, you know, the bikes. And yeah. I know they're selling a whole bunch of gym equipment from a couple of gym companies that I've been getting all of a sudden a ton of emails from. You think? Yeah, there's, you got to do it. You know, there's always a yin and yang on this thing. And you got to think about it like, you know, I always tell my my brother was complaining you know, about something. I said, listen, Domino's is cranking. They're looking for drivers. Maybe it's a good time to open up a franchise. I don't know. But seems like the pizza delivery business is pretty strong. I haven't been able to get my gardener on the phone, by the way. I don't know. That guy's rocking. <laughs> Everybody's planting, growing, but they're home and they want to. So, you know, there's always a yin and yang. You got to get your head away from. It reminds me back of the Yankees thing. You know, when the Yankees lost 2004, I was right ready to jump off a bridge. I mean, I, mean, I was, you know, I have four, you know, I, I don't know what to do. I, I was just, Yankees lost. What am I going to do? I just have all these Yankee players. But then I realized that as upset as New Yorkers are, it was one of the biggest losses in Yankee history when the Red Sox upset them. But the Red Sox were celebrating three times as much. And I ended up having one of my best years in the company's history. And I just diverted and pivoted and moved all to that Red Sox business. Wow. So, you know, with every yin, there's a yang. Like, you think about it in such a terrible time, there are companies that are booming right now. And I'm not saying that, I'm not disrespecting the, the, the struggle because there's something to be said about being relentless and staying with your struggle, but there's also something to be saying about, you know something? I'll hang on to this struggle over here, but I'm gonna pivot over there. And when things pick up, I can go pick up that struggle again, but let me go move to where the money is. Let me go fish where the fish are, because there are people with money and there are people that need things. The, um, you mentioned doing the hard work of thinking and a lot of people, hear about action and taking action and action is so important 
But sometimes they kind of skip that important part about thinking and they keep beating their head against the wall and they've been told, don't quit. You know, winners never quit. And so they keep beating their head against the wrong wall. <laughs> do, you, do you see this a lot? And what do you tell someone like that? When do you, well, when do you say, know when to quit? People always say like, there's no I in team, you know, there's no I in team. Like there's no I in sucks either. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like, but you know, to me, you know, to me, it's like, it's not about quitting and it's really not about that, Kurt. It really isn't. What it's about is being smart. It's about, you know, when I'm, you know, I, you've got to give yourself some time to think. And I lately, I always would do that exercising in the morning. And the last few weeks, I've been actually just going for a walk, mm-hmm. breathing some air, noticing the trees, the birds, and just really, I'm in no stress. Nobody's expecting me to come back anytime soon. Um, you know, I leave that early morning time pretty available. And, and that's when I start coming up all kinds of crazy ideas. And I think it's just important to leave yourself, you know, you could talk yourself into your dreams. You really can. You can talk yourself right out of them. You got to be careful about the voice that you're listening to. I was telling my wife the other day, like, there's this guy that came over to use my tennis court. And he said, you know, Brian, I want to give you something. And I'm going to go to your favorite pizza store, L&B, and I'm going to bring you back two pies. It was my wife's birthday yesterday. So oh. we're waiting all day, you know, and, and you know, I don't know. I didn't know this guy that well, but I let him use the court. And it's 2 o'clock. It's 3 o'clock. It's 4 o'clock. It's 5 o'clock. And there's no pizzas. So, and there's our favorite pizza joint. I said, you know, honey, I'm going to take action versus anxiety. I always tell people, take action versus anxiety. I'm not going to see or worry about whether the guy's coming. We're getting in the car. We're going to go to LMB. It's like a 45-minute-hour drive to, all the way to Brooklyn. Oh, okay. What's interesting, though, is, like, you, you, you really don't know if the guy's coming or not. So we're driving, and my wife says, what made you decide to drive and not wait for the guy? I said, well, you know, the little voice inside me says, I don't want to take a chance. It's your birthday. I want to make sure you're happy. So we get there. No sooner do we eat the pizza. And take something to bring home, the, we get a call and say the two pizzas got delivered to our house. Two full Sicilian pots. And my wife says, like, why did you decide not to really wait? I said, you know why? Because I let the little voice inside me say, this guy's not coming. You got to disappoint your wife. And he outweighed and outvoted the voice that says, listen, that's a good guy. I'm sure he's going to come through. Yeah. And, that little, and I said, I'm going to be revoking that voice who told me that guy wasn't coming, I'm going to be revoking his voting privileges. He's now not going to get as much of a vote and opinion because he didn't do the right thing. And now I kid around about that and how that relates to you, though, is we all have those couple voices going on in our head. The voice that's going to talk us out of our dreams. This is never going to end. God knows what, what's going to happen. Am I going to have health insurance when this is all over? And then there's the voice that says, have faith. Faith is something that even though you can't see it, it's there. Have faith, have trust in the people that the right thing will happen. And you got to make sure who get the, who's, who's got the privileges to speak up and control what your mindset is because those voices are going on. Yeah. And yesterday I let that stupid voice, you know, the little, the little Billy voice in my, you know, that little you know, voice outweighed the good person voice. And I ended up with three pizza pies at home. Do it. But I think you got to be careful. You got to be careful what you're talking yourself into and what you're talking yourself out to because you now have more time to have this conversation, Kurt, than ever before. So you right. really got to be careful what you're telling yourself because whatever it is you're telling yourself probably will end up happening. It probably is going to come true. How do you, you know, we're at, we're, we're at uh, being home 
alone, you know, well, I got four kids, you know, we've been homeschooling for 13 years and I've been working from home for 15. So it's kind of like used to it, but still we're used to going out and doing things. A lot of times we all get that voice, the kind of lack limitation voice. What do you do? Um, you know, I meditate and I do some things to try and push it down last night for whatever reason, something got into my head right before I went to bed. And I was like, I can't, I can't go to bed like that. I can't go to bed. And and I just, I kind of sat there, meditated a little bit, but sometimes it's hard. You know what? Sometimes it gets a hold of you and you, you're, it, you start spinning. Do you have any, what do you do to, to kind of revoke the vote, aggressively revoke the voting privileges? <laughs> I ask myself is what I'm really saying. Well, what's the worst thing that could happen if what I'm actually telling myself, what's the worst thing that could happen? What's the likeliness of it happening if it does happen? And is it really true? Because most yeah. of the time, it's just not true. I mean, when you really stop and say, you know, some of the chances of that happening are really slim. I mean, that's just outrageous. Yeah. Or, you know, what's the real likelihood? When you really stop and rationalize, almost like a business person would, when you decide whether you want to go buy something or hire someone, you go through a process. Does this person have the energy? Does this person have the experience? You have to do the same thing. What's going on? Yeah, wait a minute. Is that is that even possible? Does that happen? And if it did happen, what's the worst thing? I remember my wife saying, okay, maybe you're craziness right now, what you're saying. Maybe it happens. So let's say it does. It's not going to yeah. change our life. And that's the thing I realized. You may be thinking something really amazing and all kinds of concoction, but so let's make it does happen. You're still going to be... More than likely, fine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now, there's, there are some exceptions to that that, you know, we can get into. But most of the likely, most of the things that you get in concocted in your head, you'll get through. And most likely, the nine, nine out of ten times, it's not even going to happen. So I've been really trying to concentrate, you know, when I'm home. And, I, and I'm an achiever. You know, I've already gone through the closets. I've already organized. I've definitely gone through my Rolodex, which is a lot of names, you know, texting people, make sure they're good, double texting them, double checking, triple checking. I'm doing going online and Googling a lot of people, trying to learn more about the people that really matter to me. I'm trying to do all those blocking and tackling things, but you have more time. Yeah, You're making less decisions because you have less interactions with customers and people. And you got to be careful because that time could take you to a really weird place. So you got to schedule time. And that's what I do now in the morning. I schedule time that's just, I've taken out a white piece of paper and I'm thinking about where's the white space and what kind of value can I add? And I've come up with some really good ideas. Like we had so many things canceled. I mean, obviously I'm ready to jump off a bridge now thinking about it. We had so many things canceled, like in the second quarter. I mean, I've lost so much money. I, I, I don't, I don't, but then I, you know, I wake up and go, okay, I lost a lot of money, but is that really going to change anything? I'm still here. I'm healthy. I'm good. Yeah. But I lost so many appearances that finally, and, and I started this a month ago, Kurt, I started doing virtual celebrity appearances. So a lot of CEOs are talking to their groups, they're talking to their customers, and they've now done this and they feel more comfortable doing it. A lot of these CEOs are a little older, so they're not typical Zoom and online people. They tend to have to me in person, frankly, or get on a plane and go. And I started pitching the fact that, hey, why don't you bring a Peyton Manny? Why don't you bring a Lou Holtz? Why don't you bring a Magic Johnson? to a virtual conversation where you can actually talk to your customers. If you're a money manager or a banker, it's hard to get those big clients on the phone. There's not a lot of good news to share, but you still need to keep in touch. Oh, by the way, we're doing a quick conversation with the general manager of the Yankees, talking about the Yankees and talking about, and that lures people on and it keeps you connected. So sometimes you do have to ethically bribe your customers and your 
employees to keep them positive and, and just like you'd bring a celebrity to a conference and when I went, when I approached my team on this idea, like Brandon, nobody wants to do that. Everybody just, no, no, you're scared. But at some point, there's only so many meetings you can have with your customers and staff until they start getting a little boring. How are you going to mix them up? Yeah, yeah. And that's where, and now this, yeah, that's what we mainly do at Steiner Institute. We've already booked like 15 of these wow. using different celebrities, anywhere from a couple thousand dollars to $25,000. And what's great, Kurt, and you got to look at supply and demand. I'm not saying the players are desperate because they're not, but they're different. The pricing, if you're a digital company, the pricing to get a certain player that you may have even asked me for in the past is completely different. It's a lot lower. The players are home. They have more time. They can't go anywhere. They're bored. This is money they can use for their charities. They can't charge the same amount as if they were coming to your conference and flying. So it's an excellent opportunity to use these celebrities that you normally can't afford. So I'm yeah. like, I said, look, you know, these, these players, you've been trying to get to go to your conferences. Now you can afford them. And it's completely flexible. And I know where every one of these players are. They're home. They're home. Yeah. Personal time to give. So use it now. Use Take advantage of the market that's altered, that, that is now pivoted. And take advantage to use celebrities and athletes to help expand your brand that you normally maybe couldn't afford in the past. I even took a local kid who's doing uh, he was doing these clinics for kids. I said, get online, do these virtual brand. I'm doing those. I'm doing well. I said, okay, let's go get you a local athlete. Let's do a hitting lesson online. Boom. You know, I said, I thought you, you're doing better than when you were given the in-person clinics and, and camps and stuff. Wow. So that's I, amazing. I'm kind of thinking that, you know, you need to go to kind of, you know, implement. Yeah. 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 Cause I, I was, I saw you pitching that and I was thinking, you know, we had, we had discussions earlier in the year cause I was going to do this in-person event later this year. And, um, and, and I was actually thinking about it last night, watching the last dance and seeing magic. Cause I know you work with magic, yeah, uh, and, and them. And, um, it's interesting. I have a client, uh, Benny Fowler caught Peyton Manning's last ever TD pass super bowl 50. And he's getting wow. into public speaking and coaching. He's trying to hook on with the team. He was with the giants. Uh, I think last year he's, he's looking to hook on with a team now. And, and we were discussing, uh, you know, he's with the NFL speakers bureau, but we're talking about ways to do things virtually. Uh, but he also, you know, he's, I, he's asking me what I think is going to happen if the league. And I said, I don't think the NFL knows I was watching ESPN on no Sunday. Does. They have no idea. You know, they're, Oh, MLS says that the, the players can train solo, which means they, they're not even allowed to kick the ball back and forth. I said, but who knows what's going to happen? They're making it up as they go along. <laughs> yeah, you start getting that kind of thing. And that's again, back to the mental stuff that's at the end going to get you frustrated. You know, you got to control the controllables and you got to take advantage of the advantages that you have. And we all do this. We always focus in on the disadvantages. We always focus double, triple on the loss, not the win. You got to take advantage of the advantages. And there are some out there. And listen, I'm not saying that this is an unbelievably great, jubilant time. I'm not, believe me, this is tragic and it's tough. But life is tough. Life is difficult. And it always is going to be. If you accept how tough, difficult, difficult and tough it is, then as you run into the difficulties, you'd be better armed for it. So I think, you know, to me, it's like you look at the advantages that life is going to give you right now and you roll with them as best yeah. you can. And there are some advantages out there. There are a lot of people that are still needing help, services, and you just got to pivot and you got to be flexible. And, and if you have that kind of mindset, you figure it out because most people don't have that mindset and that's why they're home and they're just waiting for the government to save them or that kind of thing. And that's just not 
a good mindset. That's just not a good way of thinking. Yeah. By the way, who I love as a speaker, by the way, is Dennis Rodman. Really? You know, there's a pod I did with him about three years ago, which if you listen to his pod, you would say that's no way that's that Dennis Rodman. He's a different cat, man. He wears a lot of different hats. And I know in this uh, in these in this series with Jordan, they do paint him as really crazy and ultimate liberal and everything else. But he's a very serious dad. He's not stupid. And there's a lot of logic to his madness. And he, he can play it straight. We were on Fox News. Uh, we were doing this big uh, PR conference. Uh, we were announcing these uh, stories where athletes were writing stories on a photo as opposed to just signing it. And they t- talk about what happened in these great moments. It was a cool idea I could come up with. Between you, me, and everyone else, that idea sucked. It didn't really work. But <laughs> it was a great idea that I thought. I fortunately didn't get stuck on stupid, but it, at the time, it was amazing. You had all these great players talking about these great moments and describing what it felt like during those moments. And it was literally like a paragraph long. So we're hanging out, and then uh, my PR person gets a call and says, Brandon, they want you to come on Fox News. You need to bring a player with you. So I'm looking around, and Dennis is one of the players. Magic was there. Arruzioni, blah, blah, blah. So it, like Dennis was just standing right there. Dennis goes, I'll go on with you. Okay. <laughs> like, you know, he's wearing a Phil Jackson, Nick Jersey, you know, I oh my gosh. different colors in his hair, whatever. And you know, what's funny is like, we get on this program and, and we're with a, you know, very conservative set. Me, a Jewish kid from Brooklyn, Dennis Rodman. And then this lady was a Harvard grad, brilliant woman. And it's crazy. Like he just took over the interview and p- completely in a straight laser focused, no bull. Like, do you know who this guy is? I'm like, I had a nice relationship with Dennis. Like, this guy, you know, he must have just read the book. He's like, this guy. So, you know, you really can't underestimate. Um, and I, I, you know, so I'm going to have to send you the link to this pod. It's a fascinating uh, interview I did with him. I was I actually, when I got off the phone, I was like, I cannot believe that was Dennis Rodman because he spent a half hour on parenting and about being a good person, being a good friend. And I think everybody has it in them. And, and that's what it's about, like. Think about it, man. How do you up? How do you turn the volume up on your faith, and how do you upgrade your level of relationship with your kids and, and your spouse? That's a great time to do that, and there's value to that. Maybe it's not paying the rent, but it does keep that keep things moving along. And yeah. uh, you should, but you shouldn't ignore it. I was talking to a friend of mine. I said, oh, "I'm so busy." I'm like, "So you really even you're not playing with your kids? I mean, you're not having more? I mean, really? Like, are you kidding? Well, oh, I'm so busy. I'm so yeah. How busy are you? You can't even go into work." Yeah, but you know, people are used to being achievement oriented, and you got to be careful because this is a great time to reset and relaunch. Yeah, I was talking to you know uh, one of my clients, and and one of the toughest things is I work from home regularly. I have to schedule in getting up and leaving. Like when we're with the family, it's like I schedule. All right, we're heading out. We're going. Well, before pandemic, we're going to Barnes and Noble. We're going to the beach. We're going somewhere else so that I was, I was forced to getting up and leaving with them because if I'm in front of my computer, I'll be tempted to work. But now with the work from home, it's things like, all right, we're going for a walk, honey, come up, interrupt me. Let's go for a walk. Cause it just get me away from the computer because what is it? Parkinson's law that you'll fill up the time that you have. So if something would normally take a half hour, it's going to take you two. Now, if you give yourselves two and, and if you're at home, you're like, Oh, I got no, I have no boss over my shoulder. You'll end up wasting time. Hey everyone, this is Kurt Mercadante. And I want to thank you for being a loyal listener to freedom mindset radio. You know, in this chaotic time of coronavirus chaos, It's so important for people to have a process 
to define, create, and live their lives of freedom and fulfillment. I lay out just that process in my Amazon bestseller, Five Pillars of the Freedom Lifestyle. And in light of this turbulent time, I've dropped the Kindle price of my book to $4.50. That's a more than $2 drop in price. I do this because I truly believe that this is a process that will help those who need freedom and fulfillment now. Perhaps it's you. Perhaps you have spent the past five years, 10 years, 15 years trading away your freedom and fulfillment for a false sense of security and a toxic job and a lifestyle that doesn't fulfill you. And now you're realizing that security was an illusion and you want your freedom now. Go to fivepillarsoffreedom.com right now. There, you can get chapter one of my book absolutely free, and there's a link to purchase the book. As I said, we have dropped the price to $4.50 for the Kindle version of my book. I know the five pillars of the freedom lifestyle will help you define, create, and start living your freedom lifestyle now. Thanks again for being a listener. I wish you a day, a week, a year of freedom and abundance. Do you have a favorite book for me that you want to recommend besides You Gotta Have Balls of Living on Purpose? Yeah, well, uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, everyone always I asks me that. I your last book, by the way. I want to throw that. I really liked your last book. I appreciate that. Thank I really, you. I really enjoyed that. And I hope the listeners have taken the time to read that because the main thing is it's really simple, logical, put in place stuff, which sometimes I read these books and like, I like the idea, but I don't know how we're going to implement it. I thought all your stuff was so easily implementable. No, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Yeah. And I, we, we love your books here and my kids love my kids. I, this is always downstairs in the living room and they love the, uh, they love the, uh, the title of it. Um, you know what? I'm trying to read fiction right now to get my mind away Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm on like the 17th Vince Flynn book, uh, the Mitch rap, you know, series. So, uh, I'm on that. I don't even know the All title. Right. I just go from book. I load them up on my Kindle. My wife got upset cause I had books everywhere. Like, like in your office. So I'm, I just load them into my Kindle. Great. Um, you know, every morning I read the daily stoic, uh, from Ryan holiday. Oh really? Um, yeah, I love Ryan Holiday. I don't. I don't what's he puts out a newsletter or it's a uh, it's a no. It's a book for every day. It's almost like a Stoic meditation from oh, wow. Marcus Aurelius. Um, and uh, I read the Tao. Uh, I'm reading some some non. I'm reading a lot of philosophy these days, just to try and go back to the the. Sure. And it's interesting. You read this stuff, and it's like Epictetus will write something that is immediately applicable to what's going on today. You know, I was getting fired up about what the politicians are doing now and what they're doing now. And what he said is basically, listen, if you're free, you're free. They can't do anything. You can only give them your power. Don't give them your power. Focus on, like you said, control the controllable and that's it. So I've been, I've been reading that and then fiction just to, just to kind of escape and, and the last dance has been a gift. I, you know, I grew up in Chicago during the nineties. And so it's nice to see him share all that, Michael. Oh. That's what that's because he's not always been that generous when it comes to what he was thinking and what he was feeling. It's really nice to give that up. 
Yeah, I it's it's the emotions that are coming back to me with it because I so that was my that would have been my sophomore, junior, senior year high school that they won the first three, and I went to all three parades, lived and died with the Bulls. I went to I found it. I found a link to the game. It was in Jordan's first year in '84 at the Chicago Stadium. My dad brought me, and it was against the Sixers and Barkley was brand new or he did he come out the same year he was a, a rookie or, um, or uh, no, Barkley was there before he was there okay yeah. so it was but it was 84 and I remember we were there to see Orlando my dad went to Notre Dame we were there to see Orlando Woolridge and he uh Orlando scored 33 points in that game and Jordan player. scored like 16 uh and my I remember my dad saying that's that new guy Jordan he's supposed to be really good won the Olympic gold medal and then I remember Barkley was there and so watching this, first of all, I feel old. I'm like, whoa. Who's your favorite, who's your favorite bull, by the way, besides Jordan? Uh, probably Rodman. I just loved Rodman. Just the really? fact that the, the stories that I used to read about him were just that he would, after the game, he would go right. and ride like 20 miles on his bike. I got to send you the pod. You, you, you're not going to believe it. Like, I got to watch, yeah. Workout regiment and... It's insane. Just the and the fact that he he was there not to shoot the ball, didn't want to shoot the ball, and just just a workhorse. I've always loved workhorses. Um, I John Paxson was always a favorite because my dad was Notre Dame all the way, and so uh, Paxson came in and uh, uh, when he hit that shot against the the Suns, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Uh, you know Paxson is his in the, in the front office. I don't know. Some people in Chicago, you know, are mixed on him, but, um, and then he had a brother. Did he have a twin? Was it a twin Jim? I think so. Yeah. 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 So yeah. Watching the last, it, it's amazing. And, and we were talking before we came online, seeing Jordan, yeah. Seeing Jordan open up like that, uh, seeing Jordan, the way he's sitting there just with his thing and the, and the, and the, and the cigar in his house and, and talking about Anybody this in the sports business should be sending Michael a check. First of all, David Falk, a, a very good friend. You know, we do the Falk School at Syracuse. But the stuff that he did with Jordan, it was just genius. Dave, David's a genius. And, uh, you know, the, even the whole Nike thing was a genius move on um, both of their parts, particularly Falk. Always had the vision in all of, with all of his players. And, and he was just amazing. But, you know, Jordan was the first one to put sports licensing on uh, on the table that and make it real. You go in as a sports licensor, nobody wanted to talk to you because it was regional. You start walking in with Michael Jordan licensing stuff, bull stuff. You got to take that meeting. And uh, we all owe Michael a lot because he, not that he invented the endorsement game, but he didn't. That goes way back to Ty Cobb and everything else. But he certainly injected it with a lot of opportunity. And I would go in. Every time Jordan did a deal, I would call the four competitors and say, look, I know they got Jordan, but let's do a yin and yang. Like, let's go get someone else. We should encounter that because the category is open-minded to this kind of feeling. And uh, amazing the amount of opportunities that he brought about with his greatness. He really did. And he was very, very, very smart, not overly greedy. He didn't just do anything and everything on the uh, endorsement end, but you know, his McDonald's commercials were really cool yeah. and it opened up for Burger King and some of the other fast food. So he was really, really, really uh, important on the sports marketing part of business. I want to recommend a book to you, two of them. Yeah. Yeah, please. First of all, I mean, it, and it's so apropos now for this time, this guy wrote this book transitions like he wrote this book like 30 years ago and he just republished it. He's like a doctor. I don't know him. I, I, I'm, I have no interest in his book other than I picked it up in the airport. But it really talks about these different moments of time 
and why we react in transitional times the way we do. And he did this study with a whole bunch of different people, successful, young, old, different, and really just talked about why we make the decisions we make or why we're not able to make the decisions we make, why we look at transition sometimes as a negative. There are people that look at this whole thing as completely negative. Some look at it as positive. You know, a transitional phase when you come out of school, transitional phase when you get married and, and how you deal with those transitions. And then oh, I don't know awesome. if you've ever followed Joe Sweeney. you got to have him on your pod. He's, this guy's unbelievable. You know, uh, networking is a context for He's written like three or four books. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've read that one, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Life Drawing Spirits, he just came out with this book last week. This is a good friend of mine, and it's a very spiritual book. What I love about Joe, so the, a, a Life Drawing Spirits, what I love about Joe is like, I, I don't know if he's ever published this story, but I'm going to tell it anyway. This guy went to Detroit with, I think, uh, $50 in his pocket and lived for a week, homeless, no place wow. to live, no clothes, and he actually friended a couple homeless people. And lived on the streets, um, you know, where can we stay? And he said it was amazing how how friendly the homeless people were to show and interact and help each other, which is why we're here on this planet, by the way, regardless of how much wealth we have. If you're not part of your day helping someone else, you're, I don't know why you're here. But what's interesting, so they go into this sandwich shop and they, they have almost no money. And the guy who behind the counter recognizes him and they buy a sandwich. Now, he doesn't know that my friend Joe has a lot of money, whatever. He's just a complete hobo. So they go into the sandwich shop, and the guy gives them a break and gives them basically two sandwiches for the price of one. feels bad for them, which is nice. They eat the sandwich. They're hanging out because it's kind of warm in there and everything. And my friend gets up to go. And the, hope, the other hobo that's with him starts cleaning up the entire fast food, you know, the dining room. And Joe turns to him and says, what are you doing? He says, you know something, I don't have a lot of money. I don't have a lot necessarily to give, but I always want to leave a place better off than when I found it. Wow. Wow. And and, and the lessons you learn, you know, from, some, you know, some of these people would just have so little or nothing. And that's a whole different subject matter, the homeless that goes on in this country, let alone the people that are, don't have enough to eat. One in, you know, one in six kids are living under the level of poverty in this country. But you know, we all really need to incorporate kindness into our daily attitude and, and action. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, you've got to figure out a way to add kindness into some part of your day and take action on it, regardless of who it's for, whatever, because that's contagious. Yeah, especially right now, it's so easy to let the fear, anxiety and anger and being scared and everything kind of course through your veins. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, yeah, I wrote I wrote those down. Um, yeah. I love Joe. Joe's a good dude. Good guy. What, uh, so building your business and, you know, you write about starting out and I've seen the news clips of like early on and, and coming out and, and coming up, selling dirt, selling grass, you know, everything like that. But the one interesting, uh, debate and it, and it actually kind of came to a head. I don't know if you, if you ever saw, uh, Grant Cardone's, uh, podcast kind of debate with, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Who did he play in? Uh, you know what I'm talking about oh, in The Wolf of Wall Street? Yeah, 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 yeah. I know you're talking about. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm going completely blank. And they debated, and uh, Cardone was accused of being a marketer, not a salesman. And then they went back and forth in building your business. And I, I have salespeople on who are like, "Hey, make your sales calls, make twenty a day, make thirty a day, make fit, whatever." 
did you build your business off more sales or more marketing? And for people listening, there's a lot of people who don't know the difference between the two. Well, I, you know, I, I, you know, I think when you're a salesperson, you're always kind of selling. So there's always yeah. some selling in the marketing. But one of the things I did at the very beginning of Steiner when I was building that company was separate. When I went out and marketed, I always tried to educate people ultimately to the big picture what I was doing, even if it was uncomfortable, even if it didn't put me myself as a company, as an individual in a better light. I always went out and did all my media stuff. If you go back and Google and watch some of my earlier interviews, I mean, I definitely made some enemies. You know, I told uh, fans and, and people out there when I had the opportunity to do my marketing, the truth. Hmm. And it's it's a ballsy it's it's a ballsy approach. It's not <laughs> something I, that you know, I, I, if you can do it, I, I think the the brilliance really is in the, in the in the truth. The brilliance, like people say, you know, Brandon, that's genius. I'm like, yeah, it's the obvious. It's the fundamentals that are really the best marketing schemes if you can get down to it. So when I did interviews and I talked about this and I talked about that, it wasn't to self promote and it wasn't to sell, but it was to educate. I felt, felt like people, the more they knew, the more that ultimately, if they got comfortable, they would do. So I put a lot of time into digging my well before I was thirsty with a lot of fans around the country with this whole collectible thing and even the marketing of players, which was not popular in the late 80s or 90s. So I was out trying to show like I did in this conversation about the, the digital interviews and all that. Like I was doing that every day, just trying to explain that rather than putting out a quarterly report, let an athlete and the CEO put out the quarterly report or, you know, I was just coming up with all these crazy ideas on how to use athletes and I think if you really want to get your industry to stick and your product to stick, you have to go do it for the betterment of the industry you're in. And, you know, the pharmaceutical companies used to used to be forced that if you wanted to promote a drug, you couldn't promote your specific drug, but you had to promote the overall industry. And then if you were facing any of those issues, you should go see a doctor. And you couldn't say, go take this specific drug. And I think that I think it's a fair approach in your business is that. If you want to be a leader in the business, you have to figure out how to get your category to grow. No matter how small or big you are, if you're going into a category and just trying to take advantage of the category that exists, it's a road to mediocrity. If you're going to go in and be a leader in a category, and it took me a long time to be a leader in this category, you have to figure out how you're going to get people to be more educated, know more about the business, and you have to tell them the truth. And if the, now I felt like when the business grows, I go. And yeah. people know that, I, and I put myself in a position where people trusted me because I would tell them what they didn't want to hear. I would tell them stuff that I hated talking about because it didn't make me look good, but it was the truth. And I think the categories and companies that the companies that do that are the company are category leaders, and it's a lot of responsibility, man, when you take on that role. But there's a lot of advantages when people trust you and trust your brand and your name. I'd like to think I've built that up in this country uh, when it comes to sports licensing, collectibles and stuff. People trust me and they think I have good vision, but it doesn't happen overnight. I mean, I was answering player fan mail for three years, just picking up boxes of mail from the players' locker rooms and answering them. I mean, it does, you know, you don't develop these relationships with all these different stars just because you're a nice guy. Yeah. You have an idea. I mean... So, you know, there's a lot of things, you know, there's a lot of, I, I was talking about this the other day, like at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter, Kurt, where you are. And I say this time and time again, don't worry about where you are. It's what you want to accept. Hmm. You, know, you have to make a decision like what well, you should do, wake up, but rather than all the anxiety and everything else, like think about where you are and whether you want to accept it. Because if you have a high level of non-acceptance and you not want to accept where you are, 
then you can first start moving into what you're going to do about it. But you've got to make that commitment to saying, I'm just not accepting where I'm at. When I'm living here, I'm not accepting this marriage I have, or not mar or I'm going to make sure I'm not accepting where I'm at. I'm going to marry this person. Uh, whatever it is, you have to get to a high level of non-acceptance. And only then can you initiate commitment and, 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 and purpose and, and passion and all those key buzzwords. But you have to get into a high level of non-acceptance. Like, and regardless of this virus, now you have some time to really see what the hell is really going on around you. I think we all know who our friends are. We all know where we are with our companies at this point. Like, are you unaccepted? Because yeah. once you're not, and the key is for me is I have a high level of non-acceptance for many, many years. I've been in a non-acceptance level mindset since I'm 10. Wow. I'm like, I'm not putting up with this shit. I'm not, I'm not, like, I'm not living in an apartment with cockroaches. Every day I go to my mom's, we, we got to move out of here. I woke up as a cockroach in my bed. Well, we can't afford it right now. Okay. All right. We'll see. I'm going to, I'm going to start working. Like, but that high level of non-acceptance, you'd be surprised with how that can be inspiring and a motivator for you to start dreaming and start thinking about it. And then also taking action on what's necessary. And that's what you want to use this time right now for is like taking some action, whether it be getting some online courses, finding a new mentor, digging in a little deeper with some of your customers because you're not making the kind of money. It's okay to be not accepting to even the amount of money you're making yeah. or the fact that you're making plenty of money, but you're not doing that much. You know, you're not kind enough and maybe you need to do more charity work, whatever it is. It's this the time to do it, to really kind of size that up and really create a high level of non-acceptance so that when things do kind of come back where you can take action a little easier, you now know you have a mindset that's ready to make change or ready to go drive a little further. Do you think uh, that, that, you know, you think back to age 10, uh, there's some people I feel like have been programmed their entire life to accept. Do you think that your level of non-acceptance was, you got that from your parents? Got that from my mom. I mean, and, and, um, and I got that from my back being against the wall. You know, I always say like every, you know, when your back's against the wall and you got everything on the line, everything else seems pretty boring. I mean, so, you know, oh, I just want things to be back to normal. Really? What was normal? And were you really that happy? Because you were bitching about normal four months ago. Yeah. But at the end, when your back's against the wall, I mean, listen, I'm not happy when I see people dying and sick and the danger of all. So I'm not promoting it. But you got to admit, this is pretty damn exciting. I mean, this is exciting. This kind of tension and life and death and really having to figure out. And we haven't had been on this kind of notice. And this, we're all yeah. in this kind of war. I mean, this is, you know, this is, the question is, without the life and death and the virus of sickness, can you go create this kind of mindset and environment for yourself on a regular basis? Yeah. And you got to, yeah. you know what I mean? And that's how I look at it. Like, I mean, I don't love the position I was in at 10 because, yeah, I got some of it from my mom, but I got some of it because I was freaking starving and because it was disgusting where I lived and I didn't have clothes and I have food. So I was like, I'm not putting up with this shit. I'm like, I, I got to do something here. And at 10, I think that's a lot to put on a, probably a 10-year-old. I'm not sure that I would throw that on a 10-year-old if I had a choice. And certainly I didn't do that with my kids. Right. And, and all kids, And all kids, by the way, have their own set of pressures. But um, I just feel like, again, high levels of non-acceptance is a very powerful motivator. And a lot of it comes from the, the, when we have kids, like, you know, man, I'm not going to have my kids live the life I live. I want to do better for them, which is really a crock, but we all buy into that. And yeah. that's fine. But if that's the motivator for you, so be it. As long as you don't guilt your kids into the fact that you're working really hard for them. It's, 
that's not that's just going to get them on a therapist couch. But it's a good motivator. <laughs> as, long as, you're not, yeah. as long as you're not throwing that in your kid's face, like the reason why we have this car and this big house is for you. I'm like, this kid's like, I just got born. I didn't ask for this crap. That, yeah, you know, right. I, I would have been accepting it any kind of you know hut we put. So I don't, you know, I think it's parents have to be really careful of what they throw on their kids. But it is a good motivator because I definitely wanted to give my kids everything that I didn't. Yeah. Care. And I told my kids all the time, like, all this stuff, by the way, it's not for you. I did it for me, but I'll share it. Don't feel guilty about it. It's all my little party. All yeah. Soiree I got going over here in this house is all about me, but I'm happy to share. Love you guys. Take any, participate in any part of you want. And when you grow up and work hard, you decide if you want to live in a shack, a hut, a house, whatever. Your call. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah. Cause you know, that kind of, and I, I fall into that, you know, it's like, just, uh, you should be happy. I worked hard for this. You know, you can, Big you mistake. can, you can end up raising your kid with the, it, that's why a lot of people have uh, used gratitude the wrong way. Yeah. Right. They only look at it as, as the people have it worse than me. Well, people are, you know, if you're watching this video on a phone or a computer, 90 Five percent of the world has it worse than you. <laughs> you well, know that, that's what I love about All American. I don't know if you watched that show. No Netflix. You know, turn it on. It was it's a show. Instead of about the uh, good versus the evil and sex and the murder, it really is a show about rich versus poor, and it really shows the trials and tribulations that every kid goes through, regardless of whether you're in a good neighborhood, bad neighborhood, rich, poor. Every kids have, all kids have their challenges. All kids are facing all kinds of different obstacles. And it really does a great job in articulating it, you know, from the, you know, living in Crenshaw to living in Hollywood. Hmm. And it really took me in this two seasons. It's very well done. It's, it's a little dummy down. It's not a high level, but it, it yeah. you know, something, you know, it, it's something got me some great life lessons. It was fun to watch. Um, it was some, it was some good, you know, just some downtime watching and, and I, I can't believe how many athletes I talked to love that program and watch it because really? I think, I, I don't know if I had a weird thing. I love this show, but it's amazing. <laughs> I said, they love this show. And I'll tell you a quick little story if you have the time. Um, yeah. Cause they, you know, again, like it doesn't really matter what your status and wealth is. It really matters about teaching your kids to be accountable and really not being afraid to push your kids a little bit. But I remember my kid coming in my bedroom once. Uh, it was like eight o'clock in the morning. He says, Dad, can you give me a ride to school? Mom had to leave early. She said to wake you up and take you to school. I said, like, Huh? <laughs> you woke me up to take you to school? Are you nuts? Do I look like an Uber driver? I'm a cab driver? <laughs> Come on. Are you nuts? You got your mother wrapped around your finger taking you to school every day. I'm, I'm not here to drive you to school. And he just looked at me and said, Dad, I'm nine. I said, yeah, you're nine, man. Get you, you know, figure it out, man. You think somebody's always going to be here to help you figure out how you can get to school, how you can get to work, how you can get what you need to get done done. I said, you have friends. You have all these play dates. Call one of your friends. See if you can curse one of the mothers to take you to school. God gave you two legs. Walk. There's a school bus. Oh, you don't like taking the school bus. So you want to wake my ass up who's been working all and now I got to drive you to school? <laughs> so, you know, he, he's looking at me, he's like, like, he's just kind of like, I don't even know what to say. And as he's walking out, I said, Crosby, let me, let me tell you something. If you're going to wake me up, what's the value proposition for me? You want me to do something for you. Dad, can I help? Can I come in the warehouse today? Maybe there's something I can help you with. Oh, by the way, you think it's possible maybe you can give me a ride to school? We can talk about that. Now, that would get my attention. To give, get a little bit, not just, you know, the one-way street. And, you know, it's, it's interesting, like... 
and, and you know, maybe that was a little tough on a nine-year-old. And like, hey, you know, it's okay to rough, be a little rough with your kids once in a while. Like, hey, it's not just a whole free lunch from just anything you need, whatever. You got to think things through. You got to figure stuff out. And the moral of that story I tell parents all the time is like, don't be afraid to challenge your kids to have to figure things out. Stop figuring everything out for them. Yeah. Let them figure some stuff out themselves. You'd be surprised at the dividends that will pay down the road when they have to figure things out and think things through. Yeah, I mean, that'll certainly now, kids who are raised that way now can do what you talked about, which is change that mindset and look at how to solve instead of sell and pivot. And um, yeah, the, exactly. You mentioned talking to a lot of athletes right now. How are how are their mindsets right now? Pro athletes or even former pro athletes. You know, some of them some of them have good money, but it, it'd be interesting for people to hear that. Like like my daughter, she wanted to go and and had to, you know she's going to go to a Taylor Swift concert and they, she got tickets to Lady Gaga and she's like oh they canceled it and I'm like I I, I had to tell her I, I said you know she's 14 you don't have to realize those celebrities are in the same boat as you right now. They're at home, bigger home, but they're worried about killing people at their thing. And they got to go through all this mess, you know, planning a, I planned a small event last year, planning a a multi-city tour. You got to unwind that and all that. And, you know, sometimes I think we think they're, they're in, they're in a different, this is the first time, you know, nine 11, was a was a kind of equalizer, but two weeks later they were back playing football. Right, this is the first time where it's like yeah. I would equate this to being in London during the Blitz, right, where everyone has to stay home and and do this. What are the what are the mindset of some of the athletes out there? You know, I, I think that a lot of them are are bummed that they're not better prepared with their own uh, facilities. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, for the money they have, I, I think a lot of them wish they had better gyms and better basketball courts and all that stuff because they use the facilities that the teams uh, use. So they're caught off guard a little bit hmm. to master their profession. So they feel a little bit at, at a disadvantage because that's, you know, you know, I always say like, you know, my office is my best friend. You know, when I go to work, that's my best friend. Like it's not like going to your office and, you know, think about how many hours you do it. And you, in, for an athlete, it's tough to work from home for a lot yeah. of them. I think they're surprised that they're not better set up. Um, I think they're bored. I think they're bored. I think a lot of them, um, you know, it's good quality time, maybe for them to catch up uh, a little more extended time than they normally have. Because even when they're not in season, there's a lot of demands from those athletes off season. And I think it's an opportunity. I I look at it as an opportunity to try to maybe get those guys busy online, virtually, maybe get them to do some things, calls and some stuff with some clients that normally I don't get them to do. Uh, But I think that they're nervous. Uh, because I think the communication with the leagues is they don't know what to do. They're nervous like us. And, uh, you know, most of them, if you're a professional player, it's not like you're a professional player for three or four years. That's all you most of them know. That's what they've been doing since they're, you know, eight, ten years old. And all of a sudden they can't do it. So it's, it's definitely taken them for a little bit of a loop, which is why you see a lot of players speaking up and saying they really want to come back. <laughs> I mean, they really want to come back. It's not the money as much with the athletes that are currently because, you know, I think more and more athletes are in better shape financially than ever before. There's much better planning. The leagues have done a good job educating. It's And so it's not because they're desperate for the money, although there is a lot of money at stake, so yeah, you can't discount it. But I think they're a little – they're uneasy like all of us. And, and for them, it's even harder maybe because – 
you know, this is what they know and this is what they do is, you know, the exercise and the workout parts. So they're trying to, you know, they're trying. I know a couple of players that they're watching a lot of, a lot of footage, a lot of mm-hmm. film and trying to do the stuff they can at home. And, and, and a lot of, you know, there's a lot of athletes, NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, that either are trying to hang on, trying to find their way and aren't the stars and are making the league minimum. The minor league players, the G League players. Yeah. Yeah. We, I, I had uh, Chris Singleton, who uh, he played for the Cubs, and now he's the, uh, not Chris Singleton for the White Sox, the, the, the announcer, but he, uh, now he's on with our Charleston River Dogs here, which is the New York Yankees uh, minor league affiliate. But Chris got fa- became uh, well famous. Unfortunately, his mom was one of the uh, the people gunned down at the church here. Really? Uh, you know the wow. the uh, Charleston uh, the Mother Emanuel AME the racial shooting, and so I had him on, uh, and he's like, "Yeah, we minor league, we don't know, we don't know when we're going to be back." And you know they don't get a lot of money. <laughs> Those you know, guys. What's interesting is like the guys on the Shark Tank and. You know, uh, a lot of online, you know, entrepreneurial kind of guru. I mean, it's so important, you know, for them to be. And I like that. Like Mark Cuban's been very active because it really is a time when you just need that kind of inspiration and motivation. I, I try to do it with my pods and blogs and stuff because it is a time to think out of the box. And sometimes we just need to be pushed, you know, out of that box. And and and, um, and I, I try to, you know, with the conversation I have with the athletes, I'm like, like I was talking to a former Yankee the other day, Willie Randolph. And I'm like, Willie, have you been on your Facebook page lately? Well, B, you know, I'm like, no, you don't know. What? What are you doing right now that you can't actually spend some time, start posting and actually start sharing some of that incredible knowledge of 50 years in baseball? He's been in, been in baseball almost 50 years. And it's probably one more than between coaching and playing. I mean, he's in double-digit World Series wins. I'm like, dude, share some of that intel. Like, like yeah. come on, build up your base. Like, you, you know, you don't have to float around all over the place. Let's, so, but, you know, it's amazing. Like, there's, a, there's an NBA player that's been using my gym, uh, my basketball court. And, you know, I said, dude, you have 800,000 people on your Instagram and you haven't posted in two weeks. Are you kidding me? What are you doing? <laughs> like, you're that busy? Well, I'm not really. I'm, I, come on. Hey, this is like, did you forget to eat today? Like, you, you eat. Shower, shave, bathroom, post. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I try to get into it with the, the players I'm on the phone. I immediately, when I get them on the phone, I go, oh, let me see how you are. Oh, oh, I see. You just want to go into oblivion. So this is actually perfect. This is a good transition for you to be completely forgotten and go into the clouds. <laughs> this is perfect. This is a good start for you because I see, you know, you have nowhere online, nowhere socially. So pretty much you're, you've checked out for the rest of the year, maybe even to 2021. Good <laughs> for you. Good. And there's some businesses like that. Last week, though, with this, with this rap, I got really. Oh yeah, I got crazy. Yeah, I got them crazy. You know, sometimes you don't know if the guys are like, yeah. Sometimes like you get them crazy. Sometimes you know, but you know, I'm just trying to hit the buttons and like do something because you know, listen, athletes are incredible. Their algorithms are much higher than ours. Anything they post is going to do better than what we're going to do. They have a great advantage. And I want yeah. to take advantage of it. And, and then who knows where this is all going. They can actually monetize it and, and help people. Yeah. And you yeah. help them do that. You help them do that. Yeah. How's, uh, oh, yeah. how's, how's collectible exchange going? 
it's great because people have been home and they've been surveying all this stuff they've been accumulating and they realize that they, i think we have over fifty thousand items on collectible exchange growing like weeds wow. because there's so many people that want to sell stuff and so there's a lot of really odd weird things on on collectible exchange that you don't normally see on a typical collectible website because it's coming out of people's collections so and this this little virus thing is like caused people to go home and start cleaning out the closets. Like I've cleaned out every room I can clean out now. My wife, I I, I joke that I'm gonna wake up and there's gonna be no bed. She's uh, people keep showing up at our house from Facebook, uh, you know, you what is Facebook Marketplace? They yeah. keep showing up and and taking stuff. I said, Julie, my left leg is gonna I'm gonna be missing my left leg in the morning. You're gonna sell it. She's like, hey, whatever. We're getting ready. We're it's selling a great it. We're time to buy and sell. Like with collectibles, though, Kurt. And why collectible exchange is a little bit of a step above is because we oh, do yeah. offer the authentication because you want to make sure what you're buying is real. And we can also give you an idea of what it's really worth. Because I see when I go on Facebook and I like that marketplace or even eBay, it's just that you know, some, when you get into these collectible things, it's hard to really understand the market. If you just want to buy something really cool to remember a moment or you want to get something for your kid's room or whatever. And, and we offer those services. And it's been, you know, it's been great. We just raised, uh, we did an auction. I think we raised like about 30 grand for COVID. You know, I always want to make sure I tell the people in the company, whenever something happens, we always have to be first and foremost, do something for the community. And uh, so we we're glad we got that done. That auction closed the other night. Um, so, you know, we're doing a bunch of charity auctions now because so many charity events are canceled and we're wow, using our yeah. platform to help charities do live events, which they, they have set up. And then we do the live uh, auction part of the silent auction part on our, on our collectible exchange. That's and cool. what you're auctioning off, is that your stuff or is it people? It's all kinds of people's stuff. Run. Yeah. So wow. even for the charity stuff, they come on with their own stuff. We may add some stuff to it or we add other people's stuff to it. It's really becoming kind of this whole... It's amazing. There's a lot of great collectors out there. I mean, I'm a, I like to think of myself as a really good collector, but every week I see something and it's like, wow, I don't believe you thought of that. How'd you put that together? So then that's what the site is about. It, it's where real collectors go on and it, it, there's stuff on there for $20 There's stuff on there for 20,000. But um, I was hoping this would be just a collaboration of just people that love to collect really monumental things that happen from ticket stubs, magazines, balls. And that's what it's becoming. It's pretty cool. I mean, we're only four or five months into it. But yeah. So far, so good. And we Amazing. just launched UFC collectible. So that's like the first sporting event that's wow. happened. We're just lucky to partner up with UFC and Legends. So you'll see if you go to UFC on the on the on the website, you'll see there's an auction launching on Thursday, but then there's a we just launched like 400 items that were sitting in their archives. So it's really cool stuff on UFC, and I'm, I'm getting into UFC. I mean, I, I was I'm learning that that UFC fight thing. It's incredible. Very yeah, very passionate. Yeah, Jacksonville, Jacksonville this Saturday. Yeah. Um, there's a, there's a piece on ESPN about, uh, one of the fighters who's been training alone and just living at the gym all alone and training yeah. in isolation yeah. it, it, over in Dallas. That's uh this Saturday, man. It's going to be big. You know, yeah. Because, I mean, I, right now I would go watch, uh, I'd watch an eight-year-old Little League game if I could. I mean, I'm oh, desperate. I told my I'm wife, sports, man. I saw the thing about Korean baseball starting, and I said, oh, I'm in. I'm going to watch NASCAR starting. I said, I'm not a NASCAR fan. I'm watching it. You know, the last dance has been a godsend. Oh, yeah. Um, they, did, they had a horse race. Uh, they had the Ar in Arkansas. They actually had a horse race this uh, yesterday on really? Sunday. Yeah. Wow. I, uh, cool. I was watching that cool. on ESPN. So, cool. well, well, Brandon, I want to thank, thank you for thank coming you. on. 
really appreciate it. If, if, uh, and by the way, before we go here and I'm going to, I'm going to promote this too, as we, when, when I post this and everything, tell everyone about the books and, uh, and the book giveaways. Yeah. If you go to CX stuff, that's a simple website, collectible exchange of CX stuff. You get there, you know, pick any one of my three books, just pay for the shipping and it's free and I'll sign them or you need them personalized. And by the way, if you go to brandonsteiner.com, if you really want some of the content I was talking about, I put a whole thing together about six months ago, but I'm giving it away free for the next two weeks. It's 22 laws and rules for negotiating for entrepreneurs. It's gold. And the reason I know this is gold not because I think so, but my daughter, who doesn't think I do anything that well and thinks I'm an idiot, um, and has reminded me that many times, actually called me up and said, Dad, that 22 laws is unbelievable. Is it okay if I hand that out to a bunch of people in my company? That's the best thing you've ever done. So, and, you know, she speaks nothing but the truth, this, this, this wonderful young stud of a daughter. Um, what I'm proud of her is, is that, and I just, you know, sometimes you, you take a little pride in your kids and what, what I'm really proud of her is that she actually quit her job last week in the middle of all this, but she said, dad, I'm not learning enough. And she took a job for less money in a startup that she felt that she could learn more and have a bigger upside and be able to have a bigger impact. And she was doing really well at this company. As a matter of fact, she had her best quarter. She was in the Millionaire Club. You know, they have this special club, and they sent her to Mexico because she's one of the top earners. Yeah. And, and she left an easy-peasy job, six figures, to start, in a, to start in a startup because she wanted to grow and she wanted to get more out of it and wasn't as worried about the money now because the more she can learn and grow, she can make a lot more money down the road. And as a father... And when I send this message to all of you, it's like, that's the mindset. Yeah, I'm right. Accepting just making some money. I want to make sure that I'm growing and I'm moving in the right direction. And I'm beating whatever I was doing yesterday, today. I was going to say, it's, uh, it's, um, um, you you gave that to her right and uh i want to i want to share this here i don't know if everyone can see this right here but the master nego learn to master negotiation right there on brandonsteiner.com yeah that's i think i think we showed it to everyone but i'm not sure i have no idea how to use this uh stream yard right, until the next time hey, yeah next time we'll do a little tour of my uh my man cave go over some great stories and some of the products and love talking with you big fan of yours kirk keep up the good work likewise likewise and, uh, After let's keep in touch after I go here, stay online because I want to chat with you a little bit. Um, but thank you, everyone, for joining. Uh, this has been the Freedom Media Network. Visit freedommedianetwork.com. We're going to break this interview up into four or five different news stories over the coming weeks, topical news stories, freedommedianetwork.com. Thank you all for joining. Thank you.